Welcome to the Rapid Growth Life and Business Podcast, where entrepreneurs, business owners and life hackers develop strategies to transform ourselves and our businesses in the fastest way possible with the least amount of friction. Remember, you're only ever one insight away. I'm your host, Snowy Phillips. Hi, and welcome to today's episode. I'm going to start this episode with a little bit of a backstory. Back in the day, when I was a young man, maybe 15, 16, maybe even a little bit earlier, I was a massive thing of all things martial arts. I was obsessed. Actually, you know what? I still love uh, martial arts. I'll still watch the occasional martial arts movie. And I'm pretty religious in how often I tune into the UFC. But back in the day, gosh, it was a uh, it was an absolute obsession. I I had everything relating to martial arts. I had the Bruce Lee posters on my wall. I had the books, the films, the equipment. There was a a wooden man in my dad's back garden for a very long time. Back when no one knew what a wooden man was, probably most people still don't don't. I uh, had, you know, nunchucks hanging around in my bedroom. There was tomfers and butterfly sabers. There's a, there was samurai swords. It was the whole thing. I had um, subscriptions to Inside Kung Fu magazine, Combat magazine, Inside Karate magazine. And, yeah, this was, I guess, the late 80s. So all of that was kind of cool back then. It wasn't. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Uh... Yeah, it was only a, a fringe minority who was into that sort of thing. But I was one of that those fringe. Uh, I was one of those people. And yeah, back then, if there was, I guess, many great stars of the martial arts genre, especially in film. It was Jackie Chan, who is still relatively famous today, Shokushugi, which most people probably don't know. He starred in a load of ninja films. There was Gordon Liu, who was in many of the Shaolin films. Jet Li was just um, starting to be an up-and-comer. And there was people like Van Damme and Steven Seagal, who were just starting to make a name for themselves. But even back then, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the martial arts movie genre was still Bruce Lee. Even though he died, I guess, some 15, 16 years before that. Yeah, Bruce Lee had made the martial arts cool. Well, I guess at least for a little while. And to say I was a big fan would be an understatement. Like I say, I had all his films, all his books, the Tao Jeet Kune Do, his, his, I guess, magnum opus, is probably still in my dad's house somewhere on a bookshelf. I loved uh, Bruce Lee. He was amazing to me, uh, an amazing role model. He was cool, charismatic. And like I say, when I used to read his books, there was wisdom in his books. The statements like, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless. Wise words. They still are wise words. Uh, So go on, Bruce. Fair play, son. And you see, Bruce Lee had something at that time I didn't. He had a philosophy. 
it told me so in, in all his books. You know, he had philosophy. Then I learned that um, Bruce Lee had studied philosophy in university. And when I found that out, gosh, that was it for me. If it was good enough for Bruce Lee, then it was good enough for me. So it was out to the bookstore for me. And I picked up a book. The first book on philosophy I ever picked up was one called The Basic Teachings of the Great of the Great Philosophers. I read it and I was all in, I tell you. A whole new world of ideas was opened up to me. You know, the big questions about why I was here. Why is there life on earth? What is my purpose? Is there fate or is there free will? On and on the big questions came. And with those questions, some ideas on how to answer those big questions from some of the greatest minds in history. Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, Nietzsche, Kant, Hume. On and on these people had attempted to answer the big universal questions. And because of this, because of me being exposed to ideas, or even more importantly, questions that I hadn't actually considered myself, I was catapulted into a world, I guess, that was magnified by a multiple of ten. Because I'd exposed myself to these ideas, these questions, part of me felt like I was no longer this little kid from Cardiff. I was, I was this, this child of the universe, thinking about the biggest things, the universal questions. And I had great minds of the past to steer me towards answering some of them with, with some of those people making incredibly good stabs at it. And because of this, I realised how limiting my current thinking was about who I was and who I was in the world and, and why the world was the way the world is. And because of that, I read more and more books on philosophy, as I've mentioned. I read Kant and Nietzsche, Hume, Spinoza, Hegel. On and on I read. Deeper and deeper I went into a, I guess, philosophical, or went down a philosophical rabbit hole. More big questions, more answers to find. Often, like I say, you, you are confronted by these questions but you have no real way to answer them and and still we ask some of these big questions why am i here what's my purpose i think if we're grown up enough or adult enough we eventually all come to trying to answer these questions we all want to know what's our purpose i think even forrest gump in the film said mama what's my purpose and you know, weird tangent. I, I, like I say, I still think there are questions that we all 
want to answer and, and search for answers for. But like I say, on my philosophically, uh, my philosophical journey, I finally arrived at, well, Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand, however you pronounce it or however you ever want to pronounce it. She landed on my doorstep as a person, well, a person who espoused philosophy. She had a philosophy called objectivism and I read The Fountainhead, We the Living, Anthem. But it was her, I guess, magnum opus, Atlas Shrugged, which was the great granddaddy of all her books that really, really rocked my world. In it, I found a philosophy, I guess, that perfectly suited my then self. It gave me, I guess, with the help of reading some of her other more academic academic books the virtue of selfishness capitalism the unknown ideal um objectivism her, her big i guess academic book um but it gave me a structured belief system that seemed to fit in with me at that moment in time that i could assess other ideas against and that was important for me because now I had my own specific philosophy, my own personal mental operating system, if you will. Um, let's call it my philosophy 1.0, I guess, if we're going to use a software analogy. I had my, my philosophy 1.0 and this did something for me. It gave me an advantage over most people my age. Well, I like to think it gave me an advantage over most people my age. In that, I guess, most people of my age, well, at least the people I knew, if they were to think at all, had, like a lot of young people, and, and I, I don't say that to be critical, but they often had unformed opinions based on, I guess, hearsay or whimsy or to some degree whatever the prevailing ideas were that were popular in our social circle so if one set of people believed something we well we all tended to believe something you know how peer pressure works or social conditioning you tend to take on board the ideas that are popular within the circle that you're you're operating within not me, though. Like I say, I was lucky. I had, or I considered myself lucky. I had this mental framework, my operating system. And, and yeah, like I say, I, I, I like to think that that was an intellectual advantage, whether that was true or delusional. It's hard to say, but I, I think it helped me at that moment in time. I would, um, you know, walk around with ideas like I will not live for the sake of another man or ask another man to live for the sake of me. This was one of the quotes from Atlas Shrugged. I even had that quote um, that I'd written and put in, a, put in a frame next to my bed so I could see it. So I believed in the virtue of selfishness, not in the, in, in, in the idea that I only had one life 
and I had a duty to do the best by myself for myself. And at the time, that seemed completely reasonable to me. After all, you know, why should I bend over backwards to help other people before myself? And I still, to some degree, think the most important person in each and all of our worlds is ourselves. We've got a duty to do the best by ourselves for ourselves. But, like I say, somewhere in the, the Randian philosophy, I guess, I, I moved on a bit. Because you can't just solely be in it just for yourself. Yeah, like I say, and so my thinking has come a long way since my Ayn Rand days, or Ayn Rand days. Like I say, not to say that I don't still hold with many of her ideas or some of her ideas, but that's really not the point. The point is this. What I had at the start was an objective measure of how to frame ideas that were presented to me. So, when a new idea was pre presented to me, I could assess it against my existing operating system. Does that fall in line with it? Does it fall outside of it? Do I have a gap in my framework, my knowledge? And if there was one, I could go off and pick up one of these philosophical books and look for an answer to these questions. It's um, a strategy that I still hold today. Often when people ask me questions about subjects that I have ill-informed ideas about or, or, Ill, um, or limiting thoughts about. When, you know, I, I often notice I have opinions on things and I realise when I point the finger back at myself, I recognise that, oh, you've, you've, you've taken on this opinion or this thought or this belief without much in the way of thinking about it. And so when I notice these gaps or these issues or these problems, then if I don't have a, a method or a, a notion or the time to reason them out for myself, I often go and look for people who have conflicting views as me, the same views for me, and the time to try and answer these questions for me. And I've said to you before, try and be slow in reaching conclusions and be constantly questioning prior ideas to see if they do hold weight and I do that now so with big questions on things political things is a, is a I guess a common one that we do I I look for conflicting views to see whether I they are reasonable they're logical and they hold weight or water and and like I say because I have a framework I can either attach or detach these ideas, good or bad, from that framework. And like I say, you know, back in the day, right or wrong, at least I had that measure and could make, I guess, fixed decisions as I had a philosophical foundation because my thinking wasn't wishy-washy, at least as I believed in that moment in time. It was based on a, a integrated set of or foundational ideas that I could 
assess new information against. Most people don't have that. They have a collection of or bundle of in well non-connected ideas that when examined often they can't hold up a reasonable or rational defense for them. And I guess well so here's the really big question. What do you believe and why? What do you believe and why? It's a really useful question because often we never ask those questions. And if you have no answer or have never asked yourself these questions, or if you have, I guess, weakly formed notions, maybe it's time for you to think about it. Maybe it's time for you to stand about, to take a stand about your own philosophy, your own morality, for you to actually question the things you believe and see if they do hold up to reasonable debate, reasonable discourse, reasonable pointing of a logical finger, let's call it that. And if you do this, it'll do a couple of things for you, I guess. For one, It will free up so much mental energy that you have to use on, I guess, trying to decide how you feel about certain subjects. If you can go off and give yourself a solid answer for something, no longer will it be there in the back of your mind. Actually, maybe some of that's not true, because sometimes, like say, when you are questioning prior judgments and constantly questioning prior judgments, you'll always think about it, but maybe you'll get the the massive or the big part, the 80% of an idea settled in your mind. It'll also do this. It'll give you, to some degree, reason and logic. I can't tell you how, how, how much reason and logic are being eroded in the 21st century. It's heartbreaking to me where we are being asked to boot out reason and logic in favor of social ideals or social constructionism is crazy the scientific method is being eroded for the sake of people not wanting to offend people it's kind of crazy it'll also well your views on certain subjects will be more fully formed when you discuss things think about that you won't be just there not taking part in a conversation because you don't want to look foolish. You have discussions and you really have something to say. So you, if if that appeals to you, you may like to give philosophy a try, but if you're going to try philosophy, where do you start? Because for a lot of people, philosophy is a hard subject to jump straight into. I mean, who do you pick up? Which one of the books? Where do you go? Do you jump on YouTube and type in teach me philosophy? Maybe you do. Maybe that would be a good idea. But if you want a really soft in, an easy start or a great introduction, I have a really easy way for you to to get on board, or at least the easiest way I know how to do this. It is to read a the, well, the wonderful, wonderful novel that's called 
Sophie's World by someone called, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name, Justine Garda. Sophie's World, well, it's just a fabulous book. It works as a fantastic introduction to philosophy. And it's told and it introduces you to this, the notion of all the great philosophers and all the great questions that are being asked in a sort of Alice in Wonderland type novel book feel to it. It tells a story and through the story it introduces to you to all the big ideas and all the great people who've discussed these ideas and like I say it doesn't force it down your throat in some academic dry textbook format. It tells you in a story that is wonderfully like say philosophical but in an entertaining storybook format and if you like that book and if you get a understanding for some of the big ideas as espoused in the book maybe from there you'll progress and decide to go off and study more about the great philosophers in history and maybe you'll become a bit more philosophical yourself and who knows Maybe eventually you might knock on the door of Anne Rand and realise she's either the one for you or not for you. Whether she was a crackpot or a genius or somewhere in between. Or maybe you'll see something in her philosophy and take the wisdom and wise words from Bruce Lee. You'll absorb what is useful and reject what is useless. And maybe you'll be able to answer the enigmatic and philosophical question of who is John Galt? And maybe when you do that, you'll actually care about the answer and you'll care more because that answer will make you that little bit wiser, that little bit more, I guess, certain, that little bit more reasonable and rational and logical and make you that little bit better in the world. Okay, well, I think that's a perfectly good point to end this episode. So, if this episode was useful to you, I want you to do a number of things. Maybe you go off, if you've not already read Sophie's World, go buy Sophie's World, read more books. Maybe that could be your book of the week, book of the month. I hate to say book of the year, but book of the year. Go read that book. Have a think about the big questions. Take some time in the day to try and answer one of those big questions. Who am I? And then if you can't, maybe you go and find someone who's given it a stab. Like I say, as ever, also please share the episode if it was useful to you and might be useful to someone else. Um, Share on social media or just share it with a friend. As ever, remember, you're only ever one insight away. And if you're looking for insights, wow, philosophy is your boy. So, till next time. Oh, and go and answer the question, who is John Galt? Even from a novel perspective, whether you like her philosophy or not. I I really love the book, Atlas Shrugged. It's one of those books that can actually change your life. So, So go read it. Until next time, you have a great day. See you on the next episode.